You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your brains. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews. I'm back for another week. I've, I've barely made it back. Spent my Canada Day weekend getting lit up by mosquitoes during a camping trip to the eastern shore. And spent most of my time back today struggling desperately to get an air conditioner up and running before the heat wave that is in Toronto reaches the east coast. It's been fun. Which is why this is going to be a bit of an abbreviated episode this week. We're going to do our best to cover... What happened in the Canada Day series against Detroit, a four-game split. And we're going to talk about a Blue Jay returning home today. But, again, we, we will start with the Detroit series. And particularly the starter for Saturday's game, Jay Happ. Because after the Blue Jays traded off Steve Pierce, it was clear they were in sell-off mode. And everyone knows it, so everyone's in on Jay Happ. And the two teams that have been talked up the most for J-Hap services are the Yankees and the Brewers. And it came out that the Blue Jays have been heavily scouting the Brewers organization. Uh, they're, they're younger guys. Yankees, I'm not sure. They had to send additional scouts. They probably were already looking at them. But John Heyman said today that the Yankees are a main player for Hap. They really want him, but they're going to have to pay for him. And Brian Cashman said that Clint Frazier is on the table. I've been talking up Clint Frazier. A lot of people have been talking up Clint Frazier. Blue Jays would love to get Clint Frazier. I think given Milwaukee's interest, they can extract Clint Frazier from the Yankees. And that, that would be great for Clint because then he wouldn't be blocked at Major League level. That'd be great for the Blue Jays to get a dynamite outfield piece one that uh, Mark Shapiro Ross Atkins very familiar with having drafted him in Cleveland he went to the Yankees in the Andrew Miller deal so he's a guy they know they like so he would be a great fit they could probably get a starter as well it would take it at least two pieces from the Yankees to get him and again you can look at a guy like Chance Adams to fill that slot but it's an opportunity for the Blue Jays front office to really extract a high price from the Yankees. They did they did the Red Sox a favor by throwing them some money so they wouldn't be under over the luxury tax. And they got a better prospect for it. Santiago Espinal has been very good at Dunedin since coming over from the Red Sox organization. So I think Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro know exactly what they're able to do with this. And they're going to leverage the Yankees and Brewers against one another to drive up the price. And then whoever doesn't get Hap, they can probably turn around and get Marco Estrada, which will be, again, beneficial for this Blue Jays club. Speaking of those two starters, once they're gone, someone's going to have to come in and fill in those innings. And Ryan Barucki's made it clear he wants to be that guy. He He's not going anywhere a second great start yesterday against Detroit seven innings of two run ball against the Tigers he's 
He's got 13 innings under his belt. He's got an ERA of 277. Only walked four batters, struck out 11. He's getting a ton of ground balls, which is what the Blue Jays want to see and what Barucki wants to see, given his idol coming up was Mark Burley. And I made this comparison on Twitter that Ryan Barucki could easily be a new Mark Burley. The way he quick pitches batters, the way, the way he's able to get the sinking action and get those ground balls. I know Ryan Miller was on this podcast saying that he saw Ryan Barucki as an eventual reliever, like in a Brett Cecil kind of mold, but the way Barucki's able to go out there and just cont- like his pitch count was so efficient yesterday. I think he was at like like 45 pitches to get 13 batters out. That's an amazing clip. It's one Aaron Sanchez could stand to learn from, but if Barucki's able to go out there and continuously do that, I say the Blue Jays keep trotting him out. Kid wants to be there. Everyone else wants to be him there. The the fans in Toronto giving him a standing ovation. It's they're they're going to have to develop starters anyway because they need they need guys to replace Hap and Estrada. Just you can't just go and plug in your Matt Latoses and your Lucas Harrells in there. A guy like Baruki, who they've been developing and has an opportunity now to cement himself as part of the picture going forward, it's imperative that he gets these innings against major league batters, especially in a season where it doesn't really matter. So I, I'm thrilled with what I've seen from Ryan Baruki. I wish the bats could have done more for him. He's He hasn't gotten his first MLB win yet. He clearly deserves it. But the Blue Jays will press on. So we've talked about the pitchers. The batters, again, were the problem in those last two games against the Tigers. Admittedly, Jay Happ not having the best day didn't help them on, on the Sunday. But the the batters didn't look great. They Especially against Mike Fires. Mike Fires had his longest outing in three years against the Blue Jays yesterday. Because just every time they were swinging at like the first pitch, second pitch. And I know against a guy like Fires who doesn't walk batters, you're, you know you're going to get strikes. But just the way they were they were swinging at everything and like not, not getting good wood on them and just driving balls right at players. It was, it was sad to watch. They had a couple of good shots, but not near enough. Like that, uh, the triple... From T. Oscar Hernandez was a great shot. It was nice to see T. Oscar do that. Especially nice to see T. Oscar not hit, like not offer at those low and away pitches from fires late. It looked like he he started to learn a little bit from watching. And that that was something I noticed during the series that he kept offering at those down and away pitches. And the way he progresses as a hitter he's got to learn to lay off it and was blessed with a comment from at blue jays dad one of the grandfathers of blue jays twitter and i i don't mean that out of disrespect he's just he's a he's a powerful figure on blue jays twitter and he noted that Tioscar kind of profiles like edwin encarnacion because Edwin used to swing a lot of those down-of-the-way pitches, and that's why he'd sit down. But if Teoscar was starting to learn to not to swing at those, we could have Edwin Encarnacion-type power from an outfield corner. And 
The Blue Jays have had a lot of success when they have that power threat. So if T. Oscar can learn how to avoid golfing at those pitches, he is going to be a huge boon. Like, I I believe I said on the weekend, the way Randall Grichuk's playing, you can write him and T. Oscar into this outfield in stone for a while. I believe that. If like what's what T. Oscar needs to work on, they're very easy problems to work on. And if he can do that, then he's going to have a lot of success. And everyone in Blue Jays Nation will be forever thankful to Francisco Liriano. Not just for pitching poorly against the Blue Jays on Friday, but because he was able to bring in the next power threat for the Blue Jays. And we will talk about a former power threat for the Blue Jays right after this. Okay, so tonight is the return of Jose Bautista. It's a little later than we thought initially heading into the season. He was signed by the Braves, cut by the Braves, so he wasn't in for that June 19th, June 20th series. But he is back tonight as a member of the New York Mets and, and a productive member of the New York Mets, which is interesting to say the least. But Bautista has delivered what the Mets have needed, which is a guy who can get on base, a guy who can power one out there, and a guy who is a draw. Like, he is a name. The Mets don't have many of those right now. They're all on the DL forever, in the case of David Wright. But... In 36 games for the Mets, Bautista's batted 250. He's got an on-base of 418, which is insane. That's buoyed by the 24 walks. He's got more walks in 36 games than Asdrubal Cabrera has for an entire season. So that's what Bautista's been able to bring. Much like Curtis Granderson, his batting eye is still there. It's still good. Just every everything else has taken a step back, including his power. But when he comes in to Roger Center, uh, John Gibbons, proving why he's the best manager ever, made a comment about Jose Bautista returning and wondering if the fans would cheer for him. He's like, I hope so. They give Ryan Goins a standing ovation, which if, if we're judging by the level of fan reactions, if Ryan Goins gets a standing ovation, Jose Bautista should get like one of those 10 minute like everyone like clapping until their arms burn out sort of thing. I I don't even know what the next level from a standing ovation is. I I don't think society has really developed it. Can you can you give everyone symbols or something? I I don't know, but whatever it is, Jose Bautista deserves it. And I know that the fan base when Bautista steps in for the first time against Marco Estrada they will be appreciative. I know in other other places, you know, you get you get fans like like Kevin Durant getting booed in Oklahoma City, LeBron getting booed in Cleveland. I don't think you'll get booed in Cleveland again this time around, but it is what it is. When Jose Bautista steps up to the plate for the first time, I'm expecting like a lengthy a lengthy, like, like enough of a delay of game to make Rob Manfred take out his hair. That level of appreciation for everything Jose Bautista did. Because Jose Bautista was very much 
a shepherd out of the Valley of Darkness for this Blue Jays franchise. He was he was a beacon. He was he was an attraction. He was the heart of that Blue Jays team when it struggled, and the heart of the team when it was successful. He rode that roller coaster with the Blue Jays and delivered some of the biggest blows. Like I I don't know if they're working on that bat flip statue yet to put outside of the Rogers Center or Scotiabank Center or whatever the heck they're going to call it. But there needs to be one because Jose Bautista was the man who changed this franchise around with, with his power, with his love for the city. So when he gets out there, I am expecting all Blue Jays fans to stand and cheer and just give the full appreciation for Because I'm not saying that because I don't think it's there. I'm not saying that because I think that Toronto fans have forgotten what he's done. It's very clear they haven't with with all the calls of the trade for Jose Bautista, sign Jose Bautista. They, they very much appreciate what Jose Bautista means to this franchise. And I'm in agreement with them. Like I said, I, it, there have been some very dark years for this Blue Jays team. Eric Hinsky years, Travis Schneider years, John Maybury years. So Jose Bautista was much like Roy Halladay before him. He was the lighthouse. He was the beacon to point to. Definitely for me, just just I would turn into games just to watch Jose Bautista bat. I, would, I wouldn't watch anyone else. It wouldn't be like, oh, Kelly Johnson's batting. I have to see that. But when Jose Bautista came up, he's like, okay, okay, shish. Watch Jose. That, that, he became that for the Blue Jays. And again, I am going to be forever grateful. I still have my Jose Bautista jersey. I will still wear my Jose Bautista jersey. Not today. I'm not doubling up on layers today because it feels like it's 35 to 40 degrees outside. But that is the only reason why I will not wear it today. Because aside aside from the sweltering humidity, Jose Bautista deserves that praise, deserves that statue in in the hearts and minds of Blue Jays fans. So I, I will be watching with bated breath as he steps in against his former teammate and looks for a changeup that he can crush. I don't think Marco's going to give it to him. I think Marco knows how to pitch to Jose Bautista. So I, I don't think Marco's going to serve up a meatball for him to hit one last time in the Rogers Center. But still, I will be ready and waiting to watch. And I hope you are as well. This is this is where I'm going to end today's episode of Locked on Blue Jays. I told you it was going to be quick and painless. So there it is. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnJays. We, we've got some good stuff coming up this week. We'll go into more detail on it later on. But we're looking at a doubleheader on Thursday, and there's a good reason for that. And I hope you guys enjoy that. So for everyone here at Lockdown Blue Jays, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening. Despite the heat, 
sweating up your headphones or whatever you use to listen to this. And y'all take care. <laughs>